This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So I want to start today's episode with it. I want to start with a disclaimer. I was going to go all like serious, but then Mm. I just can't match your irrepressible energy. So I want to start with (laughs) I want to start with a disclaimer to say Mm. that if this podcast has at some point in the last couple of years given Mm. you nightmares, I wholeheartedly apologize. And Peach, I know you're a lawyer. I don't want us to open ourselves to litigation, but Mm. I am sorry for any nightmares this podcast may have caused you. And I want to explain why, but Peach, are we opening ourselves up to litigation there? Uh, you just opened you up to litigation. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't speak for me. <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you certainly don't, don't speak to the FBI radio. <laughs> you're just expressing, so you're apologising on your behalf for your uh, causing of nightmares. Look, I, I think I'm happy to express some regret, so I'll, I'll, I'll express regret for any uh, nightmares that uh, may or may not have happened um, at or around the time uh, anyone listening to Spooko might have listened. And so I regret that they happened. Uh, I can't I can't take responsibility for what happens in someone else's brain, but I certainly regret if someone had trouble sleeping. Hey, can I just take a sidebar here, Pitch? Mm. So if you can yeah. just approach the bench. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, why is it that because mm. we're all adults and mm. lawyers are mostly adults and they understand what's going on? Why yeah. is it that the courts hear somebody go, "I'm sorry," and they go, mm. "Wow, you're responsible," but if they hear someone say, "I regret that happened," they're like, "There's no way in hell you're responsible for that." Why is that a thing? Well, say, saying saying sorry is taking responsibility. So remember, um, John Howard's. Um, and then Kevin Rudd's that 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 tension, and so I forget that we're not really an Australian podcast anymore. <laughs> so so sorry, Australia is um, one of the countries around the world that was invaded, um, and Australia's indigenous population was horrifically poorly treated. One of the many many examples of horrific treatment of the first peoples of this country was something called the Stolen Generation, which was literally that. Um, where Aboriginal children were taken away from their families and uh, moved to white families and and so were stolen. And so through the early 2000s, John Howard, the then Prime Minister from the Australian Conservative Party, which is oddly enough called called the Liberal Party or the LNP, sometimes the Coalition, was pressured to apologise, you know, apologise to the stolen generation, you should apologise. And the position he took was, well, no, because I didn't do it. So I can't apologise for something that was not my responsibility, but I certainly regret it. And there's this so classic... So he was just like, it sucks it happened, guys. Yeah, what a exactly. Bummer. Exactly right. I'm like, whoa, I wish there wasn't a stolen generation, but, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's like we've all moved on, you know, like we've all moved on. So, like, and, oh, and, so, and so similarly, Shag, you're taking the Kevin Rudd approach. I'm not sure if you remember, I think it was February 2008. 
um, where Kevin Rudd formally apologised. And it was one of the few days, I think, um, as a white Australian, we were able to be the tiniest bit proud or maybe just a reduction in the shame we might have for, for, the, for the way this country is put together and the way it's run. And it was a, a strong moment of taking ownership, taking responsibility. And so I'd advise you to not have a strong moment of taking ownership or responsibility, <laughs> Jack. And I'd encourage you to John Howard your way out of this one. So perhaps as, mm. as my defunct or default legal counsel, probably should have asked mm. you that before I apologised to everybody and took responsibility for any nightmares they might have had. Just to clarify, no, I don't act for you and you're just joking around calling me your default, default legal counsel. I'm hopelessly conflicted and I couldn't possibly take instructions from from you because <laughs> your, like your, your interests conflict with mine because you're out here apologising and I'm not apologising at all. So I can refer you to some great other lawyers, Shag, if you need any introductions, that's fine. But look, the reason, the reason why I wanted to make that apology and have that disclaimer is because mm. last night at 4 a.m., I woke up from a nightmare in oh. which Freddy Krueger had set up a pizzeria on our street. <laughs> and while I was in that pizzeria eating and chatting to the diners, being like, so is this the, like, and it was very meta because I was like, oh, so is this the new device in which Freddy kills people in this uh-huh. movie? And they're like, yeah, mm. yeah, he's got a pizzeria. That's the thing. <laughs> And you know, clearly, so you're almost doing a spooker. I, we, I was doing a spooker yeah. in my dream, but then I looked out the window. I saw Freddie like looking at me. He then put his hand out, palm outward, with the knives all facing, and then mm. his hand sort of became like a street shark. Remember street sharks? They were yep. sharks yeah, yeah, that yeah, could swim sharks. in concrete. Well, his mm. hand became a giant hand that sort of swam through the concrete towards the window. And I'm pretty sure I woke up. I can't quite remember because you know how dreams exist in this weird plane where they're hard to grasp i'm pretty sure i wasn't killed before i woke up but i woke up there and Mm. it's probably the first nightmare i've had like that in decades and i can proper like bogeyman nightmare you mean like like scary whoops and i can only really attribute it to spooko and I feel like if I, someone who really has no, like enjoys being scared, but really has no psychological problem with horror movies can get nightmares, it figures that potentially other people experiencing this podcast have had the same experience. So that's why I wanted to put it out there. But, you know... I'm so glad I don't act for you, Shag. Like, you're out here apologising for stuff that you don't even know what's happened. You're just inviting people <laughs> to contact you to be like, yeah, yeah, you did this. This is, this is terrifying. <laughs> do you have any assets in your name or, or do you run bare, Shag? Uh, ooh. Well, they're in oh, my... No. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. We need to transfer them all okay. into Adele's name okay. urgently. Could I, could mm. I, if mm. this comes to court, go, mm. no, the whole podcast is satire? Yeah, that's that's sort of what, like, that's sort of what I'm, what I'm doing my best here to do because there are really, <laughs> like, there are really stringent rules. And, and Shag, you remember me, like, the rap incarnation of me. There was, like, a song that that you inspired and worked through of like, I work in law mm-hmm. and that's on this mixtape that has before it a like live radio advice I gave on Shanta's show. And P.S., show. if you want to sing along to Peach's song, it was a mixtape track based on 
an interpolation from 50 cents mm. i get money in which he has like an ad lib where he goes i run new york but instead of that pitch would go i work in law it was shag's idea and it was a very very good one and we used to play it at the sh- like we played it for like three or four sets shag where you where you dj'd playing it it's, so it's a lovely part of our lives but anyway, <laughs> on the mixtape, there's me giving legal advice, and I'm like, surely it's obviously satire, and no one's raised it so far, and it was more than seven years ago. So, you know, what's up? Come at me. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. So, so depending on when you're listening to this, I'll feel increasingly comfortable as time passes. But you know what's really interesting mm. is that I realized as well, when I woke up from this nightmare, I realized, you know, one of the triggers mm. for the content of it Clearly mm. had to be Spooko. There's no other fa- there's no other part of my life in which yes. Freddy Krueger has a point, has has like a place to play. But the reason it happened then and there was because I had a genuine fear in my life. And I realized mm. then and there that the way horror works is you don't like mm. that fear that it enacts in you then takes shape across the other fears in your life. It, it intermixes with the other fears in your life because here's the thing, right? So Golden Child over the last couple of nights has had this weird vomiting thing. And the worst thing about having a young child is you go to the doctor and you're like, doctor, my child is waking up bawling, vomiting everywhere. What's wrong? And the doctor's like nine times out of 10, the doctor's like, oh, babies wake up and vomit in the middle of the night. That's just a thing that happens. You have to deal with that. And- yep. When people make that cutesy point that's like, oh, sometimes I go to check if they're breathing, they don't realize when you're a parent, that is the most terrifying thing in the world. You check if they're breathing because you wake up in a cold cement being like, oh my God, my child's dead. I can't hear them. They are actually dead. You start going through all the motions in your head that you're like, I'm a shell of, I'll never be the same. You creep to their bedroom. Those steps towards the bedroom are some of the worst in the world where you're like, I can't hear them. I can't hear them. They're my god and then you finally hit. so i was like golden child has been vomiting over the last couple of nights i've been worried about golden child choking in their sleep so i clearly had this horror dream to wake me up at four in the morning so i could then go and check up because of that anxiety isn't that crazy you form the view though that golden child convenes with ghosts as i recall Uh, (laughs) and so like i think you're attributing to golden child like the shining kind of power of like (laughs) help me out dad (laughs) i'm having a rough night well anyway i i I wanted to apologize but this is satire so i appreciate you wanted to and i appreciate now that you understand the position you're not doing that so (laughs) i i I appreciate satirically traversing the possibility of someone apologizing for something always nice to kick an episode off with a bit of satire as we did uh just then (laughs) i also appreciate that you're not my legal counsel (laughs) and you can give me whatever you can say whatever you want but i am apologizing i work in law (laughs) anyway today we are doing a cult horror i mean fuck i said it before every horror film is a cult film uh we're doing a horror (laughs) film from 2008 starring Liv tyler so it's got a little bit of pedigree called The Strangers. Ooh. What? I just want to tell you something. What do you want to tell me? You are my girl. I love you, Jimmy. What is that? 
okay, there's nothing here. I haven't heard a dog bark or a car pass. Nothing. Hello? What is it? It's my phone. We gotta get out of here. Then open the door, and I just want you to run, okay? Why are you doing this to us? Because you were home. As, as we've said before, like everything's inspired by true events. There is there's no thing that's ever happened that is not inspired <laughs> by true events. Peach, I'm going to challenge you right now. Mm. Come up with an entirely original story that is not inspired by any true events at all. One time <laughs> in future, right, right, on a planet that does not exist... <laughs> There was a type of life that is not carbon-based nor based on anything on the periodic table that existed. That's about. <laughs> that's 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 good. That's, that's good. I like it. I'm thrilled. I'm hooked. I want to know more about this story. Okay, I want to. I'm. I'm going to jump right in here because mm. I want to talk about where this came from. I've been thinking recently, after you know editing the last couple of episodes, mm. about this idea that I think is really true. That if only more people watched horror films, they'd realize that a sea change or a tree change is actually the scariest fucking thing in the world. And that capitalism, you know, we just need to think twice about capitalism. Both of those things. Look, in future episodes, I've got some cool stuff to talk about in uh, about capitalism <laughs> and Shutter at the same time. You are going to love that. Oh, <laughs> let's go. You are going to you no, no you are going to love that. Matt is coming up at some point. So I was I was looking into films mm. that are about the fact that being in the country is really scary. Anyway, so this film mm. has been interpreted by contemporary film scholars as being a criticism of the perceived safety of pastoral life. So this this film is seen as not just a spooky horror movie or psychological horror movie because it's about crazy people, but it also has no... I also realized, okay, psychological horror means two things, like crazy people mm. and no ghosts. If it's psychological uh, horror, well done. everyone's real, right? Yeah, like I, again, I've just been proved wrong again and again that, that, I, that I had it in my mind, a psychological horror film is a descent into madness no. type horror film. Yeah, okay. No, 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 no. But... Uh, looking at this, and I want to say something, you know, potentially controversial Ooh. or it just potentially means I'm just really old. Mm. This film's from 2008 and it already has contemporary film scholars in uh, quotation marks criticizing it and, you know, talking about what it's meant for. Mm. What could a contemporary film scholar who spends thousands of dollars at some sort of an institution know more than someone in 2021 who just watches a lot of films and then takes the time to write the Wikipedia synopsises of them and really, you know, comes to grips with their ins and outs. Like, so, so, really... so sorry, you're pitting on the one hand a 2008 <laughs> film scholar versus a 2021 Wikipedia contributor? Is that is that our comparison? Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's like, what is, what is the point of going to film criticism school mm. 
in which you went to, but, but yeah, in any no, case. I, I went to art school, which is the same. Yeah, and but what what is the point of that in an era where pretty much the entire internet is film criticism? Like every channel on the internet is film criticism on demand at my disposal, which I can take part in and be a scholar in, not a scholar, be a. I can immediately Jack, take part like we've in We've said before, point. you're like you're the one who keeps this podcast on the rails. I'm the one who fucking wanders <laughs> off. <laughs> can we have one more pass at this rhetorical question? <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm still so so. Can I, like, can I can I put in terms of yes, no? Are we comparing two like one? hypothetical person to another hypothetical person yeah you're right actually i'm not going to do that thing where i'm inventing someone and then getting angry at them because yeah fuck that okay so what what i'm trying to say is do you think it's a little bit silly the idea of contemporary film scholars uh we sort of are them i guess <laughs> but that's my point and we did it because we were basically like let's start another podcast. <laughs> finally there's a podcast with two non-filmmakers talking about films <laughs> Better make sure it's two white guys. <laughs> oh, fuck. We are that, like, are we the bad guys gif? Oh, my God. Anyway, okay. So but and so hmm. very that was a very long-winded way of me coming to the fact that I was looking into these ideas and I came across this film. I realized I saw it, you know, probably around 2008. Hmm. Bloody loved it. And you know, it, it, it's somewhat of a forgotten classic that I thought would be worth taking you through today because mm. let's go back to episode one where you talked through the reasons why you don't like horror films. One of the ones we've been focusing on a lot lately has been your vasovagal defense. Mm. One of the ones we haven't is your fear of jump scares and general fear of spookiness. Yes. My new office, right? Like they've set the computer up so it's against a wall so that I've always got my back to the door. And so people will be like, hey, Peach, what's going on? I'll be like, oh, fuck. Like, what? what, what? And it always puts me in, like, grumpy defense mode. And so people have just, like, started doing a gentle knock on the door. I'm like, can I, Peach, what do you need? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's still you. Well, okay, so, the and the, the re- like, oh, fuck, this was long-winded. And I am sorry for causing such mass confusion at the start of this segment. <laughs> But the reason why I raise this mm. is because I think this is a particularly well-written Wikipedia synopsis of quite a spooky film. I actually think this synopsis is pretty spooky. And I think it might actually spook you out a little bit. But a film scholar would be worse at doing it? Is that... Well, no. <laughs> I don't even know what my point was. I, don't, I actually don't know what my point was. I don't know what my point was. And then, Peach, you're right. I went to art school. And not only did I go to three years of art school, then I did honours at art school. But respectfully, it has made you a pretty useful cultural critic. Like, your views on stuff is informed by a lot of the things you learnt at art school. I feel like your professional career and your interpersonal nice to spend time with is in part due to you... You know, figuring out how to intelligently critique things. That might have come from art school, but I did go when I was around 19 and was a 19-year-old boy, which is the worst kind of person to ever be. Agreed. Never be a 19-year-old boy. Yep. We know this. And you should have seen I the remember... size of the shorts Shag and I were wearing when we were 19. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just horrendous. It's just the largest shorts. Like, oh. If you're under oh. the age of 35 and you think you've seen big pairs of shorts before, they are nothing on the size of the pairs of shorts. And if you think our wallets weren't connected to the things to by chains, chains you <laughs> are sorely mistaken. You just have it all wrong, oh, don't you? Oh, gosh, with giant skate shoes like oh. moon boots. It was great. But, you know, I was a 19-year-old boy mm. at art school. Big pair of shorts, yep. All of my lecturers were artists. Like, you know, a big selling point of my art school was it was actual artists mm. teaching you. And they basically hated me and my peers because they were basically like, you don't like art, you don't know art. And it's like, yeah, it's true. We're 19. We don't care. <laughs> so Why are we all in art school? Yeah. <laughs> Teach us about art then, you fucking idiots. I have one friend, shout out Lauren, mm. who is actually like a really accomplished artist. Uh, currently in Europe right now. Mm. As far as I know, that is like there might be one or two more people mm. from the hundreds of people in my year at art school, mm. but that's that's the legacy of the art school I went to. This podcast is art. I, I mean, yes. If we go into the what is and isn't art debate, yes, absolutely. Yeah. In, in its way. <laughs> in its way it is. But anyway, okay. Mm. So I genuinely like to hear if, you know, I want you to tell me along the way, mm. you know, and this is this is a Spooko episode, so we're going to have some, like, fun banter as we talk through this. Yes. You're going to have some, like, observations of <laughs> the the material I'm talking about, but I, I genuinely want to know if any of this makes you feel a little bit spooky and potentially could lead to some nightmares which may or may not be attributed to this podcast, but probably aren't. Because I'm starting to learn about how to get around, uh, how to build a legal defense. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a bit late in the piece. Maybe instead of law school, instead of art school, law school, and then we'd be we'd be spot on. (laughs) All right. So, in a secluded area, away from civilization. Now that's a that's a tautology, surely already. Fucking like you either don't don't need the word secluded or you don't need the phrase away from civilization, surely. But also, at, at what point in the world are you really that far from civilization, especially with the internet basically being everywhere? Yeah, this is post iPhone. The iPhone came out in 07, as I recall. Mm. So mm. now that you know everyone's got a computer in their back pocket, tell me, tell me about it. All right. So James Hoyt and Kristen McKay arrive at night to James's childhood summer home returning from a friend's wedding. Tension abounds between the couple as Kristen rejected James's marriage proposal to her after the reception. Oh, fucking relax. Yeah, but like you're at someone else's wedding and propose. Like there's other people around you at a party. Man, bad. Like that. I'm on Kristen's side here. Yep. I also totally agree. And I like, you know, and not to get like super woke, mm. but it's kind of patriarchal slash toxically yes. masculine sense of entitlement to, yep. uh, to to ask for someone's hand in marriage without knowing for sure that the answer is going to be hugely yes. and then being like what but but i asked you to marry me yeah. and that- this is what women oh fucking like <laughs> this is what you should like have an ambition to want bloody hell i was why, doing right why did by we you have the whole relationship for then oh, oh fuck. Well, so i bought a ring oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> with these characters we like. Uh, it's uh, a sense of entitlement, male one, and sense of entitlement, male two, who we sort of went to high school with slash work with. 
I want to dedicate that to all the dudes from my high school who were pretty bad people and then tried to befriend me on social networks and I've just left them on red. <laughs> I'm just like, why? What? Why? Why now? Are you like, let's be friends? I've, like, I've told you my WhatsApp story, haven't I? Like, like, you and I have a different approach to school. Like, we had a similar experience at school, but I. But you, your memory has blocked out any bullying and you're like school was fine or boring and i don't really remember any of it like you're like there's no reason why i can't remember most of school it just people grow up and they don't remember key moments of their life that's just what happens and you like do you know al's raised weird memories with me about like times guns have been pulled and stuff that i'm like that didn't happen so i think i actually have a genuine memory issue oh i mean that wasn't in high school but yes you had a gun put on you there was also the time when oh my god yes there yeah, yeah, okay. well, let's not go into dark high school stories suffice to say one of the many reasons we are the men we are today <laughs> is through high school bullying and while this might be a weird message, I thoroughly advocate being the person bullied rather than being the bully in high school if you want to grow up to be at least a slightly more self-aware and well-rounded person. Yeah, or to be an innovative lawyer or creative director before 40. That's the path. Straight up. Yeah, straight up. That's what you got to do. Straight up. So no, let's let's get back to Scott Speedman and Liv Tyler again. But the trailer again had like a here's an old spooky song. <laughs> and and it, you know, it'll always have something with the so it's called The Strangers. It'll be like, out for a stranger <laughs> calling out my door. Oh, this is the Jeepers Creepers answer. I listened back to the episode. Like, have you figured this out? No. The end of the film with the eyes. Oh, where'd you get, get those, those peepers? peepers. Shittest, Fuck. shittest pun ever. I'm like, get it? It's the creeper. And the creeper got the peepers. And that's where he got those peepers from Justin Long. Yeah, it's like the whole film is like a stupid pun on that old song. I think it's crazy that the twist in that film was the director's a pedophile. Like that was, <laughs> that was a pretty dark twist. Oh and probably went to our high school. Okay, all right. So... Their attentions are bound between this couple. Mm. Anyway, so James calls his friend Mike and asks him to pick him up in the morning. Mm. Just one more high school fact as well while we're fighting the patriarchy. Did you know that Tony Abbott's um, cabinet had more... Tony Abbott, also an ex-Australian yeah. Prime Minister. I am so sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. if you are not listening in Australia right now. So, to, like, Tony Abbott, an ex-Conservative um, Prime Minister, his cabinet had more men who went to our high school than women of any kind. <laughs> in his cabinet <laughs> I, like I mean this in the best possible way like I love Australia I particularly love Sydney I, I genuinely mm. would like to die in Sydney like that is mm-hmm. like I can't control that but that is something I'd like to do mm. so I mean it with love when I say I really fucking hate Australia mm-hmm. a lot of the time yeah yeah, yeah. Um, have I told you I went to government house like for a, you did yeah you yeah did. and so I like sat down so because it's COVID times, there's only like 16 people in this huge room that's very important. You start with the national anthem. Everyone stands up full of cops, full of like the governor's there, the governor's husband's there. And it's like, oh, fuck. So I, like, I stood up and I didn't, I didn't sing. Like, my, you know, my mouth's closed for the thing. And the governor, who I hugely respect, and if you don't know who Margaret Beasley is, Google her. She is amazing. Goes into this speech about the importance of the national anthem and how it's evolved and sort of is coming to, you know, there are more changes to be made. Here are some proposed changes to make it more reflective of today. And I felt really, really bad for not singing and for noticing me not singing. And then afterwards, 
the husband came up and was like, oh, coffee in a case note. You didn't sing the national anthem. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> we got to work on that anthem. So shortly after 4 a.m., <laughs> shortly after 4 a.m., yep. at uh, James's childhood summer home, mm. where he's staying with his not to be fiance, Kristen. Mm. After asking her to marry him and she said no at a wedding. To your point, good point. Yeah. That's their wedding. Let them have and their wedding. And then you're going to be pissed off and have a fight at someone else's wedding. Like, fuck with, oh. don't hijack someone else's event. And then he's straight on the WhatsApp chain with all his mates from high school being like, oh, fucking, can you believe Liv Tyler said no to my fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so shortly after 4 a.m., there's a loud knock at this door. Mm. A young blonde woman whose face is obstructed by poor lighting asks the couple is Tamara home? Now, keep in mind, we don't know a Tamara at this point. She's turned away by James. James then goes for a drive to purchase a pack of cigarettes yes. for Kristen. Before he departs, he starts a fire in the hearth. Kristen realizes the chimney flue is closed and attempts to open it. Smoke emanating from the fire triggers a smoke alarm. Kristen attempts to disarm the alarm when she is startled by another knock at the door and drops the alarm on the floor unnerved. I just think this is a very, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like half a paragraph in. I think this is a well-written synopsis. Yeah, I'm having fun. She calls James's cell phone from the landline, but their call is cut short. Kristen returns to the kitchen where, unbeknownst to her, a masked man, who in the credits is only known as the man in the mask, Mm. watches her from an adjacent hallway. Now, this film does some cool stuff with wide frames where the action's happening in the center, but just in our periphery. And, you know, when, you, when you're out of cinema and you're watching, your eyes aren't taking in the entire frame. You're, they're taking in where the, the bits that's moving right at the front. Mm. So there's just these moments where in the periphery, you notice this, this, these characters, but you could almost miss them. Yep. And they ju they're just doing something psychological to them. It's very well done. Kristen notices the smoke alarm she left on the floor is now sitting on a chair and realizes someone else has been in the house. Now, she's in a house that she doesn't own. Yes. That uh, she's already feeling unwelcome in, that's in the middle of nowhere. We know it's far from civilization. And now she knows that someone else is in the house and it's not her partner, James, because he's gone out to get cigarettes. Upon going to retrieve her cell phone from the charger, she finds it missing and begins to panic. When she hears a noise from the backyard, she mm. arms herself with a knife and opens the curtains to find the man in the mask staring back at her. Scr How can she see his eyes? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Silly, 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 silly. It was good drafting until then, but then you're fucking goofed. And then Peach came for you, just like... <laughs> I learned to bully at high school and this is just me passing on the lesson. <laughs> well, I mean, abuse begets abuse, right? <laughs> um, so screaming, she stumbles into the hallway and watches as the front door is forced ajar. When she goes to push the door closed, the blonde woman, now in a doll mask, aka doll face, according to the credits, peeks inside. After locking the door, Kristen hides in the bedroom and hears the strangers outside bashing the walls of the house. The noise eventually stops, and at this point, James returns home. This, like, I'm freaked, right? This is properly, and if I was watching this by myself, I would be freaking out. This is terrifying. 
After she explains what has happened, he goes outside to the car to obtain his phone, whereupon he finds the car ransacked and vandalised and sees Dollface watching him from afar. Presumably he's gaslighting her. He's like, what? Strangers? Oh, <laughs> like, surely, nah, man, surely not. <laughs> the couple attempt to leave in James's car, but another woman in a pin-up mask, pin-up girl, rear-ends them with a truck, forcing them to flee. Okay. Back inside the house, Kristen and James find a shotgun and wait for the intruders in a bedroom. Mike, remember how we called Mike to come pick him yes. up at, uh, at 4 a.m.? Mike arrives and realizes something is wrong after seeing James's wrecked car. He enters the house and classic horror trope. James, mistaking him for one of the intruders, shoots, shoots him. him. Dead. Good, 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 good. Yeah, I like it. Devastated, James remember. Uh, I love this is a bit Deus Ex radio transmitter, but mm. devastated, James remembers an old radio transmitter in the backyard shed. I love that devastated leads to that balance of the sentence. <laughs> He's so devastated that he remembers an old radio transmitter. He's like, I've killed my best friend. Some, somehow his yeah, brain, mm. the connection that happens between <laughs> yeah. I have just killed my best friend into we used to have a radio transmitter <laughs> in the garage. Here. He leaves and encounters the pinup girl searching the backyard with a flashlight. When James tries to shoot her, the masked man knocks him unconscious, inadvertently discharging the rifle. Kristen. So sorry. So we're certain it's not James now. I was expecting James to be one of the masked killers. Okay, cool. No, yeah, and, and the good thing is there's no twist here that turns out James was doing it all along. Like there's a lot of films where it's like, it turns out it was all of, and it's like, no, 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 no. These are actual strangers. So Kristen hears the shot and runs to the shed. She finds the radio, but pinup girl smashes it with an axe. Kristen rushes back to the house where she encounters Dollface, who taunts her with a knife, saying, You're going to die. Okay. She tries to escape, but is incapacitated by the masked man. At dawn, the couple awaken to find themselves tied to chairs in the living room with the strangers standing before them. Kristen demands, Why are you doing this to us? Keeping a mask on all night and then into the morning would be very, very challenging, especially if it's got like a plastic face. Like th this is where the Batman mask is such a great idea because it stops, it, like, it has the nose hole and then like, your, your mouth is fully free so you're not breathing moisture and like heat. To wear a mask all night and then into the next day when everything's covered up is, a, is some feat. These strangers, they really, they really mean business. Well, this is the bit. This is the bit that's going to potentially cause the nightmares so uh, not attributed to us yeah. <laughs> so so like i said Kristen demands so they're both mm. tied up it's dawn there's now these three strangers all wearing spooky masks so we haven't seen their faces mm. are standing around them Kristen demands why are you doing this to us to which Dollface replies because you were home Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. The strangers unmask themselves to Kristen and James before taking turns stabbing them in the chest and abdomen. Oh, okay. That escalated, yep. Afterwards, the strangers drive away in their trucks and come across two young boys on bicycles distributing religious tracts. Dollface comes out of the truck and asks if she can have one of their tract cards. One of the boys asks her, Are you a sinner? To which Dollface responds, Sometimes. 
The boy gives her one, and the strange. So they're distributing tr- tr- tracks. tracks. I think it's like I don't know why they're using the term tracks. I, I assume that's like a la- pamphlet. Okay. Oh, tracts. Yes. With the with yes yes sorry yes yes I'm with you. The two it's. Uh, I thought they're like handing out their like hot, their fire mixtape from like 2008. <laughs> I've got at least burnt CDs in my head. I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> check out some religious tracks right here. Yeah. I'm like, God in law. <laughs> <laughs> The boy gives her one and the strangers drive away as pinup girl states to the others, it'll be easier next time. The two boys come upon the house and discover the chaotic scene with a ransacked house and the bloody bodies of Kristen, James and Mike inside. One of the boys approaches Kristen's body and attempts to touch it. As he reaches out to her, Kristen, still alive, startles him by grabbing his hand and screaming. That is the end of The Strangers. Oh, that's a weird note to end on. Mm. Are we to think she's undead or something? No, I think she's alive. I think she's just been stabbed heaps, but she's still alive. Look, home invasion horror, I think, is fairly resonant because it gets to the, like, you're not safe anywhere sort Mm. of issue. Like the the same Freddy Krueger, like the same same reason, like, Krueger tickles your your, um, fear bones because... Normally, if I just get home, I'll be fine. Or normally, if I just snuggle under the covers, I'll be fine. These places of refuge that are that themselves become risky. And then, Shag, as you say, because you are home. So I don't need to sit here thinking that I've offended anyone or was mean to anyone. I can nonetheless be a victim of the strangers. I think it's pretty strong. I think it's pretty strong. Shag, did you enjoy watching it? I haven't seen it since I saw it like 10 years ago. Mm. But I remember the reason why I wanted to do it, because it's like I remember watching it and being like, ooh, that was good. And I saw it's one of those weird films where it has a low critical rating on Metacritic of like maybe 45 to 50, but it has a really high user rating, which is always an interesting, uh, um, which is always an interesting, uh, yeah, it's always, it's all, which is always an interesting dynamic because it's that thing where critics who you know and i'm not i'm like i don't like i again i don't want i don't mean to disparage film scholars <laughs> oh you, they wouldn't play in the rugby te- team anyway i just want to say i do want to say tony that. abbott had so few film scholars in his cabinet i'm gonna say but look you know before we finish i am genuinely curious if if this podcast has ever inadvertently and not by our fault inspired a nightmare i'm keen to hear if at or around the time you <laughs> listen to this podcast you happen to have a nightmare uh shag would be interested to hear and certainly <laughs> is not responsible for it. it's all satire uh, this was recorded at fbi studios please like subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can and Resh's, what's up